welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. This is The Love Show. This week, we're going to help you to find your soulmate, how to break out of the friend zone, and how to kick that toxic person in your life to the curb. That's right. Three liberations, one show. We've got an all-star list of experts that we're going to be featuring. I don't know about you, but I believe that before you can fall in love with someone else, you have to fall in love with yourself. You have to truly love and respect yourself and know that you are worthy and deserving of meeting someone great. I met my wife. We went on one date and I don't know, five months later, we, were, we eloped and it, was, it just happened so fast. And I think one of the moments when I knew she was the one is we were sitting down and she goes, how many beers did you have tonight? I was like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. She goes, you, you drank seven or eight beers? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you're so much better than that. I was like, oh. She goes, I've seen you drink 12 beers. You can drink 12 beers. I was like, well, look at her. There's somebody who sees my true potential. And I loved it. And that's how I knew. I'm like, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one I'm taking home to mom. <laughs> my wife's name is Bibiana. She's from Slovakia. We've been married for eight years. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And if it can happen for me, it can happen for you. Believe me, you've got... Definitely have a chance. It could definitely happen. And you have to tell yourself, you are worthy and deserving to fall in love and to find a great relationship. You are worthy and deserving to break out of that friend zone. You are worthy and deserving to kick that toxic person out of your life because you don't deserve to be fringed upon. You deserve all this great stuff. You have to believe it. Believe these words. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Lori Bazako. She's a relationship expert, and she's the founder of CupidsPulse.com. Ms. Bazako, welcome to the program. In your perspective, what are two or three things a person should do if they want to find their soulmate or if they want to get in a relationship with somebody who's not going to drive them absolutely crazy? <laughs> well, first, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Um, this uh, topic is very dear to my heart. And um, there are several ways. I mean, if we're looking at people who are, you know, singles who are looking for love, there are definitely ways to find your soulmate. I guess the first thing to do is define what is a soulmate, right? What is a soulmate? And for everybody, it's, it's a little bit different. But I think the most important things to keep in mind are well, you will find the person that you are supposed to be with First and foremost, when you are loving yourself, when you have found yourself, have self-esteem, have self-love, you know, that's really important before you can love somebody else or find someone else. And oftentimes when you are loving yourself, you may be surprised. You're going to attract maybe somebody in your life that you never would have anticipated falling for. Um, and that's because you've, you've gotten whole with yourself. So that's that's the first advice that I always give. Um, you know, without it, without self love, you could be setting yourself up, you know, for failure, um, you know, and heartache. So know your worth, and others will too. That's the first. Um, second thing is, you know, know what you want, but be reasonable about it. You know, when looking for a soulmate, you know, it's normal and expected to have a good idea in your head of what you're looking for, but make sure you don't set unrealistic expectations. You know, nobody's perfect and you do have to compromise, you know, on certain things. 
So I'm not saying settle. So don't settle for less, but you have to be open to possibilities. And again, I have heard this and seen this time and time again. I'm a perfect example. I got married later in life, and when I met my husband, he was not my type. Nothing like I thought that I would that I would marry. When I met so my wife, he, she wasn't anything like I met before. I mean, she was normal. I was like, I can't believe you. Know, uh, that's exactly it. <laughs> what is this? Uh, what you, you're not, you're, you're not threatening to kill me? Well, this is a that is hysterical. That is exact. That's how I felt. I felt like, wait a minute. Why is this guy like me? Why is he so normal? And why? Like, wait, there's got to be something wrong with this picture. That's what it is. I think you know when you're getting closer to somebody, when you know the person you're dating, it's like, well, they're probably not going to kill me. Well, this, I can see this going somewhere. Well, to be honest with you, and this this often happens to people, um, when that does happen and, you know, you're, you're, you you found yourself worth, you found yourself love, you meet somebody, there, and, and you're like, wait a minute, I think this is husband or wife material. Sometimes you get scared and you and you run away, right? Because you're like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. So, you know, watch for those signs. But honestly, you know, if if if, if you're really ready, um, be open to possibilities. Um, you know, I think another another way to find your soulmate, and it really goes into the first thing about loving yourself, is be yourself. You know, when looking for a soulmate you're expecting to find someone who will click with you, right, on multiple levels. And that can't happen if you're not being true to who you are. If you feel like you have to be a different person in order, you know, for, for someone to like you, then he or she's probably not the right one for you. So, so just watch that kind of behavior. Just be yourself. Your future soulmate will love you for everything you are and are, and, you know, you won't have to change, um, you know, to be with them. Is there any Thing that a person can do to not fall in love with every other person. Some people are falling in love all the time. The next person could be the one that they go through the cycle. So is there anything that a person can do to, I don't know, kind of have a more stable approach to finding a relationship? Right. Are you talking about, you know, meeting somebody, infatuation, love at first yes. sight? Like, oh, this is the one. Okay. So I have a little tester that I, that I, you know, talk to people about when I'm in consulting them and giving them a relationship advice. And it's kind of something that I, I made up, but it, it seems to work. So when you're meeting somebody, what I always say is look at what your feelings are and the level of uh, attraction, et cetera, on a scale from one to ten. I believe if you are in that hot zone where that person, you feel like a 10 attraction, like a, like a nine and a half, a nine, nine, ten, I always say, you better watch out. Like those are dangerous signs. A normal relationship should be anywhere from, a, you know, six, seven, eight. That in, in the feeling spectrum, if you will, right? If you have a scale and you're measuring. Um, of course, in the low end, uh, there's no real, you're just settling maybe, and there's no real attraction. But I always say be careful of the nines and tens. Be very careful. And I think watch your patterns. Ms. Lori Bizzacco, the uh, relationship expert, and she's also founder of CupidsPulse.com. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great. It was great to be here. Joining us now is the Astrophenom. Our astrologer, Ms. Constantellis. Learn more about Ms. Constantellis. Get your own chart done with Ms. Constantellis by going to her website at constantellis.com. Ms. Stellis, you are an expert on astrological compatibility. You've written a book, I believe it was called 
Astrology Between the Sheets, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, the Everything Sex Signs book. Right. <laughs> Talking about how some signs are compatible. So let's say, how can a person use astrology to increase their chances of finding romantic connections and even connecting with their soulmate? Uh, beautiful question. Um, astrology deals in an energy signature of each soul or each person. And we have not only the sun sign, but the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, um, Neptune, and Pluto. In terms of compatibility, there's two questions. One, is it romance and kind of, a, let's say, intense passion? Or is it moving towards partnership marriage, whether you sign on the dotted line or not? And those are two different departments of an astrology chart. That being said, because there's some people that feel this amazing magnetic uh, attraction to someone, and only time tells whether that is kind of like a, a flirt for the moment or has more um, underpinnings. So a simple thing for everybody to think about because it can get very complicated and you can go on the internet and, and, and plug in your chart and his chart or her chart and they'll give you a, uh, an analysis. It's called synastry and it can be very accurate. But if you're wondering, think about this. There are four elements in astrology, fire, earth, air, and water. The fire signs all get along with other fire signs. The fire signs and air signs get along. The fire signs and earth signs, Taurus, uh, Capricorn, and Virgo, are not so easy because earth is practical and fire says, let's do a wonderful idea. And the water signs and the earth signs are good. So if you, if you discern the element, you know a lot more than just Leo, uh, Scorpio, whatever. That being said, you have um, the position of Venus and Mars because that kind of gets the flame going. If there's no spark, nothing's going to happen. And Venus is the way we express our love and Mars is our passion. So some people are very friendly with each other, but there's no Mars. So it's most probably not going to work into a relationship or a marriage. Um, and... I hesitate to say these are the good combos, these are the bad combos, because people say, but I've been married to my husband for 50 years. And uh, um, they feel insulted if, if their signs don't uh, quite, quite match up. But it can be, because maybe it's not a sun sign connection. Maybe it's a sun-Neptune connection or another planet that um, sees them through personality difficulties or, or whatever. So... I think if you know the elements, so let's go over them. Fire is Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. And Earth is um, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. And air is Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. And water is Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. So if you're hanging out with somebody of your same element, there's a wordless communication that's pretty easy between you. Maybe it's too boring. You want something else. But that's a, a thumbnail sketch of, of something. And I think that the most prudent way, I mean, you can read the book. It goes into more detail, everything sex signs. 
most um, let's see, beneficial way is to observe. You say, oh, God, that guy must be Aries. I know he's Aries. I never get along with Aries. Okay. <laughs> and, or she must be Virgo. Can't stand Virgos. So, so if you observe, then you have a way of categorizing. And it's nothing against that sign. It's just that that energy and your energy doesn't mix well. Well, I want to let our audience know that yeah. I used astrology when I was dating. And actually, the people I, got along, I had the most successful relationships with were Tauruses. And actually, I married a Taurus. And for some reason... Taurus, yeah. That's one of the top kind of uh, usual no-nos, but uh, no-nos because, but it's. I think that there's a good thing. First of all, your moon sign is Scorpio, and Taurus is opposite that, and that's very grounding. And Taurus and Aquarius are equally matched in terms of power. They're fixed signs. So it's not like one person is always um, kind of shivering in the corner and the other person dominating. There's equality there. And if I remember correctly, you don't have a lot of earth in your chart. Oh, they have zero and, earth. Yeah, well, you need earth. Okay. And Taurus is earthy of the earth. <laughs> so so that's the way it, it, it works. And there's a certain settledness and stability about Taurus that really comforts Aquarius. Well, what I like to do, Ms. Dallas, is I want to go through... Each of these signs, and yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see if it was one if you can possibly list maybe you know anywhere between one and three top compatibilities. So we'll we'll okay. list the sign, and then if you can please say okay, which are the top three, and that's where a person who's listening right now can maybe focus your attention on. All I right, believe. number one is Pisces and Scorpio. Okay, Pisces is what uh, uh Pisces is um February 19th to March 20th of February that's right okay. that's right before the spring equinox and Scorpio around uh, 22 23 um October until um 22 um November Got it. Well, I so um let's see then we let's say the sign Aries which is March 21st through April 19th who's a good compatible sign for that uh Sagittarius Okay which is um, Sagittarius is November 22nd through December 21st correct and Taurus who else are we looking we're at looking, oh, so we, we did, that was Aries now we have Taurus coming up which is Taurus is April 20th through May 20th who's her? right so we have to give credit to you because you have a lovely <laughs> wife And but I would say uh, in general um, Taurus and Cancerians which is June 21st and July 22nd. Right. Have many opportunities to to have a very good relationship. It's not the only possibility, no. but that's that's a good one. And then we have Gemini right now, which is May 21st through June 20th. What sign do right. you know that could be good for that? Uh, it depends on what mood they're in, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Um, Libra. Libra. Okay, so Libra. let's see. Libra, if you're born between September 23rd and October 22nd, yeah, you go for mm -hmm. Gemini, which is May 21st through June 20th. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, now we have Cancer. So Cancer. Well, we did Cancer. We did Cancer in Taurus. Yeah. So Leo. So July 21st through August 22nd, if you're born between then, right. what sign should you focus on? Um, two Leos usually are compatible. They're a little bit competitive. Okay. Um, other possibility is Leo and Aries. Okay. 
And Aries, again, is March 21st through April 19th. All right, so right. Uh, let's go Virgo. Virgo is eight, August 23rd through September 22nd. Who's a good fit right. for a Virgo? Well, Virgo frequently uh, loves their opposite, Pisces. Okay. And that usually works, and also Virgo and Capricorn. All right, let's say Pisces, again, is February 19th through March 20th. And Correct. Capricorn is December 22nd through January 19th. Okay, so we, we right. focus on that. All right, Libra. Libra is September 23rd through October 22nd. Well, who's a good fit right. for a Libra? Um, Libra is a couple. Leo is good. And uh, traditionally, uh, Cancer is not considered good, but there's, there's a certain harmony there. Uh, all right. Next one is Scorpio. Scorpio is the sign between October 23rd and November 21st. Scorpio and Taurus is a very, very frequent combination. Those signs are opposite, but if they connect, that's it for life. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we have the Sagittarius. Sagittarius is November 22nd through de- December 21st. Who, who can we find romance for Sagittarius? Well, they frequently marry or connect with Geminis. Okay. Again, they're opposite signs. Got it. All right. Now we have Capricorn, December 22nd through January 19th, which I believe we just covered. But Yeah, we did. Um, Cancer and Capricorn are opposite signs in work, and Capricorn and Virgo work. Got it. Now, last one is Aquarius. Uh, my, yeah, my, January 22nd, February 18th. I'm just saying, first experience, uh, I connected with the Taurus. Uh, very well, but are there other signs that Aquarius can connect with? Aquarius is a sign of friendship. Doesn't mean hence I'm always friend. in the friend zone. No wonder why. Yeah, I'm stuck in that friend zone. Yeah. Careful, Aquarius um, is out there. So Libra is a good uh, fellow air sign, and um, Taurus, the one, the one that kind of is tough is Scorpio. Aquarius and Scorpio. It happens, but it's a battle to the death. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Constance Stell is the Astro Phenom. You're always a great joy and pleasure to speak to. I love your analysis. Oh, thank you. To learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and get a reading with Miss Constance Stellis, please go to our website at ConstanceStellis.com. Okay. Be sure to check out her three awesome books, including Astrology Between the Sheets. Thank you so much, Miss Stellis. Thank you. Thank you. Joining us now is the clairvoyant cowgirl, psychic empath, Miss Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza. Get a reading done with Miss Lisa Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Miss Kaza, what are some of the ways that a person can find their soulmate and, if not find their soulmate, increase their chances of getting romantic connection? Well, I was so looking forward to this show because I'm telling you that basically everything that I talk about in my book, Finding Paradise After the Storm, it's all in there, different things, the different steps that a person takes in order to find that very special someone. Um, but the one, the one main thing that any one person can ever do for themselves is to show themselves self-love. Because, as this, and this is, again, I say this in my book, it's one of the key things to do. Because, you know, as the old saying goes, you can't love another without first loving yourself. Now, but, of course, you know, a lot of us think about, you know, when we're talking about self-love, well, we're thinking about, you know, the more physical aspect of being as well as the emotional, you know, thinking about that negative self-talk. You don't want any of that. 
Not too many of us, though, think about this spiritual aspect of being. And we need to strike that balance between the three aspects of being. And so the way to do this is to pursue all of your passions. Uh, and I'm, I'm dead serious. Your hobbies, uh, your general activities, all those things that you adore doing, those things that, you know, make your heart sing with, with joy. Like when you, you take part in them, it's like you love doing it. You don't have to be good at doing it. You just have to love doing it. You, could, you do that, and right? you're showing yourself love. You're getting more involved with yourself. You're pursuing your passions. And what that does on an energetic level, it actually opens up our heart centers or heart chakras, as many may refer to it as. And the heart center or chakra is the energetic uh, component within our auras and, and uh, energetic fields where the only place where we send and receive love in our lives. And, of course, yes, love comes in many forms, but especially love relationships. So by, you know, the more that you show yourself self-love and the more that you pursue your passions, the more that your heart center opens. All right, I'm Therefore, the ask, more... No, I was going to say just the more the more the heart center opens and the more love you ultimately attract into your life. Right, I want to ask the, the obvious 14-year-old question, uh, the, the immature male, is that if we show yourself self-love, does that mean... Um, no, it does not. Some, no, it does not. No? No. <laughs> I know if you say... I do not... Oh, I'm trying to stop you from saying... <laughs> Okay, go I ahead. Mean, what were you going to say, Ryan? Sure. I mean, I guess the proper discretion is, and I'm, the proper terminology I'm saying is, if you spend a lot of time enjoying yourself like an amusement park, and you do a lot of it, thereby showing yourself a lot of self-love. <clears throat> okay. Um, does that increase no, your okay, chances I'll... of pulling no, into your experience? No, 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 no. I should have reiterated a little bit better. You walked right into uh, that. When it comes to passions, when it comes to passions and stuff like that, like it's things that, you know, you look towards your personality, your talents. Uh, it's usually artistic and creative in nature or, um, you know, even like things like vol doing volunteer work, um, things of that nature. Um, yes, playing a sport would be one thing, playing a musical instrument. Um, acting, dancing, singing, um, painting, um, all these different things. Like the, the list is virtually endless in terms of possibilities, but not going to an amusement park. <laughs> it's, a, that's a bit, it's a bit of a different interest <laughs> that you're talking about. Things that are more you know, spiritually connected as opposed to um, thrill-seeking. <laughs> I was one of those people long time ago, where I would, I would go to the psychics and I would say, hey, you know, am I, am I ever going to fall in love? Am I ever going to, you know, find romance? And, you know, most of the psychics would say, yes, yes, you're going you're gonna to find, you know, romance. And thankfully, one honest one who happens to be Lisa, she's like, no, you're probably not. You're probably going to die alone. I was like, well, thank you for being honest with me. <laughs> but it's like, you know, people, yeah, we all ask the same things, you know. Am I going to find love? Like, when people, when a person says it, like, and they're curious and they're not sure, are they preventing themselves from finding love by casting uncertainty, not knowing? I mean, yes. it, 
Yes, yes, because what we're talking about here is uh, a concept uh, connected to the law of attraction. And so, you know, when you have uncertainty, any kind of fears or any kind of negative self-talk or anything like that, it's a negative. So the basic principle of law of attraction is, you know, like attracts like. So if you're thinking negatively, you have fears or worries, you have that negative self-talk or, you know, like like you say, uncertainty because it's a negative, unfortunately, yes, you're going to attract that negative. What so if that's you, why it's what if so you just important. Kind of a negative experience? I mean, look, there are a lot well, of that, people out there who are absolutely crazy. I'm surprised 100% of the people in this world have not had a negative experience. I'm sure everyone's had a negative experience. If you date someone, you're like, oh, my goodness, this person is from the Twilight Zone. And I think it's very rare to find someone you can sit down and have a conversation with and feel assured that they're probably not thinking about you know, eating you and cutting your head off. I, I think most people are absolutely insane. So how can we expect others to have a positive outlook on dating when the population is so dense with assholes? <laughs> because ultimately it's what they have to realize, uh, any, and it's for anybody, including yourself, Ryan, is that it's not necessarily got anything to do with you. It could have been maybe, for example, like it, there's many different aspects and many different um, concepts that could be going on. It's it's not a one-size-fit-all kind of thing when it comes to each person and their situation. Everything's different. But just as one example, nine times out of ten, like it's not even necessarily you. It could be the other person needing to learn some some kind of life lesson that you were brought into their life to give, or you know, vice versa. Like that's just one example. Like yes, it can be hurtful, but at the same time, sometimes some lessons are hurtful. But again, it's just one out of many scenarios. It's it's individualized. Um, I, I can't. There's no one size fit all kind of. Um, answer to that question because it's 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 individualized um but for the most part nine times out of ten like i said it's always mainly to do about life lessons spiritual growth evolution emotional growth and evolution um ultimately that's what relationships are actually all about they are to regardless of what happened in the relationship for how long it lasted for um they you know mold us into the people that we ultimately are today. Uh, take the lessons learned and then move on. Well, Scott, the final question I have for you is there's some people before they go on a date, they're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to put on some you know, perfume or cologne because they want to smell better. However, you know, sometimes people have a sense of desperation. Like, jeez, I have not been successful in Dating for a while, I'm reeking a desperation. Is there anything on a metaphysical, spiritual level that can cover the scent, the etheric scent of desperation and absolute dating failure? Because I can openly talk no. about this because I was a total disaster until the point where I met my wife. And if I didn't meet my wife, I'd still be on that path of being a disaster. No. Well, unfortunately, like there, there isn't really anything that you can do. Like energy is energy. You know, when you're putting that energy out there, 
it's notice. And you can try to mask it all you want. <laughs> Clone perfume, uh, gemstones, it's not going to help all that much. The energy is there. So what needs to happen is a lot of self-work, a lot of inner work. And again, like I said, you know, need to um, reprogram the mind and have your own beliefs about yourself instead of the beliefs that are put there by somebody else and those negative experiences, because negative experiences creates negative self-talk. And that negative self-talk is never, never, ever accurate. So, you know, folks have to um, try to reprogram that mind of theirs so that none of that icky negative energy is put out there, at least as strongly. Miss Lisa Kaza, Psychic Empath, and I don't live in some industry radio show, Virtue. I want to thank you so much for your great insight analysis on our show on finding love. To learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza, get a reading with Miss Lisa Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Thank you so much, Miss Kaza. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is the queen of the universe, out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, Virtue, and globally respected psychic medium, Miss Carrie O'Connor. Know more about Miss Carrie O'Connor? I get a read with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, how does one attract their soulmate from your perspective? What is the is it an energetic connection? Is it psychological? How do you go about finding your soulmate and falling in love in this life incarnation? I believe totally, and I've experienced myself personally, Ryan, and out of the 25-plus years of doing it professionally, we've written in our in our charts when we came down here that we were going to meet people that were soul-mated energy. And that's a high heart energy. It literally connects us to the area of the thymus. And how we meet them is a journey within themselves. Sometimes you can hear where people are. Across the world, it could be in Germany and some of the states, and the um, right time, right place. So timing has a lot to do with it. Also, that pull that it allows, the soulmate relationship allows us to bypass a lot of the BS that we usually go through with relationships. It allows us to put down a lot of our masks. So if we want to attract that soulmate relationship, the first thing we want to do is write down those attributes that we find attractive in another person. So let's say. Secure, good sense of humor, uh, flexible, those kind of things. Then you ask yourself, what, how much am I doing that for myself? We can't wait for somebody else to fill that void because that, that will just bring us relationships where they're like they're supposed to complete us. So we want a soulmate relationship. We're to literally radiate out. You want good sense of humor? How much are you laughing? You want security? physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, how secure you are with yourself because it is literally an energetic component there. We're constantly giving uh, codes to each other, and the soulmate relationship has a certain pattern to it, and a lot of those codes get um, staticky like a radio station because of life. When we start really paying attention to it and listen to that heart, our heart energy and start doing it, like before, start acting like you have a soulmate before you even have a soulmate. It's be, do, have. So you continuously bring that feeling of wholeness, that you are complete. Again, do those things that you want in a partner, and then you're creating a pathway, a literal energetic pathway, a pathway, a physical pathway to meet the soulmate relationship. So once people say, ah, oh, Carrie, you know, I'm coming to you to sit down and talk to you. How do I find my soulmate? 
what is the what is the best piece of advice you can offer to someone? You said in addition to what you just said about being the people you want. I ask them. I say, how clear are you? Right, and then they'll they'll show me a lot of times. They'll see this energetic. They're very vague about what they want. What the feeling is is that this person is going to go in and complete them. That they're not whole until they meet this individual. So the first thing I encourage them to do is. Uh, how we're, to fill that void in that they feel incomplete. It gets the static out of our heart. You know, Brian, I'm sure all of us could talk about when we went into, let's say, a restaurant, and all of a sudden you're talking to somebody, and somebody walks in that room, and you turn your head, and, you, and you're drawn and pulled into that magnifying energy. And most of the time it is because uh, cause they're wearing a great big hat and just, you know, or, you know a, a, a trench coat with no clothes underneath. It's the magnitude, it's the energy that we're all putting out there. You don't have to be a psychic. We're all feeling and hearing it and sensing it like the radio station. So if you want that relationship, how static are you? How off balance are you? I always go back to energy and energy techniques. And, again, thinking of ourselves as a great big radio station, and life in itself gets us very much in a staticky radio situation by getting the static out of yourself and then go back to what I just said. Do those things that you want. So are you laughing? Do you have security within your own life? Do you feel secure? And what that does, it fills in those uh, parts of that void that then attracts the person that like attracts like. It's the yin-yang dance. We don't want to attract somebody that is a lot like us because in the long run it ends up being the brother and sister kind of um, uh, relationship. It stays in the friend zone. We want to be able to bring in a mystery. We want to bring in um, something that intrigues the other person. And how do you do that? Is by really knowing yourself, to really feel, feel good about self-esteem, self-worth, taking care of yourself, all of those things. And it doesn't, we don't have to be perfect, but just by doing that helps attract the soulmate relationship. Ms. Carrie O'Connor. Queen of the Universe, and Alaska, respected psychic medium. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Learn more about Ms. O'Connor and get a reading with Ms. O'Connor, who will help you find your soulmate by going to us at, at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Ms. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Joining us now is Jeff Casper and Yona Brindis. They're physical teachers, energy healers. You'll learn more about them both by going to the website at transcodes.com. They're also my two dearly beloved co-host on Hot Wars Radio, Mr. Casper, Ms. Yona Brennis, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank, Thank you, you for Thank having you. us, yes, right? Yes. Thank you. So, focus of discussion is soulmates. What is the metaphysical principles behind a soulmate? Is it a necessity to fulfill your life's purpose by finding your soulmate, or is it um, kind of like an option? Is it, is it a necessity? You have to find a soulmate in this lifetime. I think, Ryan, you invited us to the show to get a little bit against the grain type of answer here. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we break it down um, energetically, there's, there's three different types of relationships that people are talking about when they're talking about soulmate. Okay? There is a, a relationship that they uh, refer to as soulmate um, when they are talking about the one and only, you know, the true, the one true love in their life. Then, uh, there is this uh, twin soul and twin flame concept that comes in here, which also includes sort of empathetic or energetic ties between people. And then we also uh, have karmic relationships. And all these relationships can feel 
that this is the task, that this is it, that this has to be it. But the problem with these uh, 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 categories or these labels is that people, of course, especially when it comes to love and relationship, often go into specialness with it or go into a form of fantasy with mm-hmm. it. Yes. And so the, the majority of relationships that we can see here from an energetic point of view are actually karmic relationships. Mm-hmm. So when people have this feeling they have, like you meet somebody and you have this instant chemistry and you, have, you feel like you, you have, you've you got to do something here. This is not just or a normal. Known, known them forever. Yes. Yeah, you've yes. known them forever. <clears throat> And there's so many similarities. It's like it's smashing you in the smacking you in the face. Those are typically typically karmic relationships. There's some kind of recognition mm-hmm. on some level, uh, whether a person is a trained empath or energy worker or not. Doesn't matter. Everybody can feel this. And so there is uh, some of that in there. That what you asked about. You know, this is yes, we are destined to a certain degree to go through um, karmic relationships. It is, however, less personal than people think. Mm-hmm. So it's more the energetic signature that yes. we feel attracted to and the resemblance um, to, I mean, you know, karma, of course, itself is, is, is subject to labeling, okay? Right. It doesn't always have to be related to past lives. It can be related to a certain task that you have to um, heal or a certain aspect in you that you have to heal based on your childhood, for instance. So there's clear statistics out there that people tend to pick the same partner. Uh, 80%, 85% of us pick the same partner um, that uh, maybe our parents resemble here. So like um, common phenomenon that we, that we feel attracted to a woman that looks like or acts like or feels like my mom <laughs> or my dad. All right. So uh, this is not really metaphysics. No, it's actually psychology. It's you get trained by this. It's object relations, where you know throughout life, throughout your childhood, and what you bring in as your karmic load or karmic uh, weight or even karmic uh, good, you also get trained that this is the right time of woman or man that you should see and you should be around, and da da da. All this has been actually programmed in quite often, uh, thousands of times. So when it gets to that age where you're actually starting to date, that programming kicks in, and then all of a sudden this person shows up and their key is exactly fitting to your lock because it makes total sense because you've been programmed thousands of times that this is the right one. A way to find out that it's a karmic relationship is when the relationship doesn't work out, um, when uh, there's a new partner in life or, or, uh, you know, more than just one new partner and you begin to see similarities, Mm -hmm. you know, when things repeat. So whenever things repeat, there's a good sign that there is, uh, that there's a karma a karmic destiny or karmic propensity in, in play. Let's take, some people will say, well, I'm trying to find logically or emotionally how to find the soulmate. So if we are going to incorporate some metaphysical principles, some of the things that you guys would do, spiritual, yes. metaphysical, what are some of the things that a person can do to uh, kind of give them a competitive edge in finding their soulmate? What are some spiritual practices that they can do to accelerate the chances and then finding their soulmate or finding a, a healthy, fulfilling, romantic relationship? Um, well, the big thing is to know what you're looking for, you know, and then work to become who you need to be for that person. So if you want to have a and again, we're looking at broad concepts here. I mean, you know, if you're looking at what most people consider uh, to be a relationship, like a soulmate level, it's typically externalized, um, which is a huge topic. 
uh, it's fine. But what we have to really look at is what do you want in a relationship? If you want, if you want to have a relationship that's geared towards true love, you have to work towards true love in yourself. If you want to have a relationship where you're totally honest and totally loving, guess what you got to become? So that's the thing. You have to really figure out what you want. If you truly want a relationship that's based on true love, which soulmates could be or could not be, you have to be able to focus on true love yourself. So And, and, and on that inner relationship yes, with yourself, exactly. you basically have to get yourself into a place where yeah, you can love yourself <laughs> just as much as you would love, say, what you, you just called soulmate. Right. If a person starts working on themselves and starts clearing out some of their energies from their past life, you know, past life karma, how will that impact the type of person they will pull into their lives? It's usually a good sign when yeah. you start pulling different kinds of people in your life because mm -hmm. that signifies that your energy has shifted. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a uh, sort of a forward momentum, really, in our uh, relationship maturity, you know. Right. So we usually begin... When we heal our stuff, we begin to, to attract more healed people. Right, exactly. So people who have a, a, a history of attracting um, people who, like, say, always take advantage of them or uh, end up in, in, in sort of an abuse or injustice uh, type of situation. Um, you know, they, they, as they work on these aspects within themselves, within their own inner relationship, they will not... Um, uh, you know, have these these repeats where it, it just gets reconfirmed what they're already fearing. So that the thing with a with with a comic relationship is that it reconfirms our biggest fears. And so it isn't until we work on our fears that we don't need those kind of relationships right. anymore. Exactly. Since you visually perceive energy and perceive the soul. What would you say is a visual description of two souls that are in harmony together? What would you say is a visual description of two souls that have a very tumultuous relationship together? And what can a person do to magnify or enhance the positive frequency of their energetic code? With, with another in mm -hmm. a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, there's with actually. Another and themselves too. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of person we can do actually in right. our relationships. And it's very easy to see, Ryan. Um, but uh, um, before I give you a visual here, um, I want to point out that finding the right partner, quote unquote, is not really a, a getting this or a having this or an accomplishment. Right. It's more the consequence of, the, of who you become. You know, what your resonance is. So finding the right partner happens when there is an optimal vibrational match. All right. This can sometimes entail uh, having to go through a certain learning experience together. But um, uh, to, to answer the question, the way this looks like between, you know, like a very tumultuous relationship is, first of all, and this is the, the first thing that we see, there's tons and tons of projections. Right. You know, there's like uh, stuff that isn't even real, you know, mm -hmm. like how they see the relationship, um, fantasy bonds, um, you know, labels also. So there's where both people basically project stuff onto another in a psychological sense as well as in an energetic mm -hmm. sense. So you can see this 
uh, uh, energetically with tons of ties between them yeah. and daggers and and uh, push pull. Yeah. yeah, one pulls away, one pushes, so forth, back and forth. Yeah, it's, it's energetically you see a lot between the lower chakras and a lot of times around the head. Um, you know, because it's basically all of their unresolved patterns are affecting each other. The main characteristics, though, is that it's that the main core, the main connection between these two people is. Uh, from coming from their solar plexus, yes. yeah. from their third chakra, mm -hmm. uh, and not from their heart. Right. So that would be a big distinction. Mm -hmm. When you see two people connecting with the heart, it doesn't really give you uh, a guarantee that they're not going to go through tumultuous times. But when there is a true heart connection between two people, then they usually have a higher vibrational um, uh, uh, level with another that allows them to work out resolutions right. that, and higher vibratory resolutions. And typically you'll see less ties and binds, or if they do mm -hmm. show up, they go away a lot faster because both people are trying to be more real. So if, if one projects and the other one notices, they can talk about it and get resolved a lot faster. Also, control is a big issue, and you can see this very, yeah. very clearly in yep. people's relationships. So when the energy of one person pushes into the energy of the other person, for instance, and, and almost like smashes it, almost like uh, makes it contract, and vice versa. So uh, these things um, are very, very easy for us to mm -hmm. see, you okay. know. And um, the hardest part, really, in, in energy work and energy coaching is not so much to identify this, but to really work with a person through, um, what Jess said earlier, what they truly want yes. and how you can get there. Because... Uh, you know, we, we have this ideal in our head, but everybody kind of has a different ideal. And some people are really happy with what they have. They're okay with control. They're okay with manipulation. That's the, the, the cooks with the karmic aspect of relationships because if we have something sitting there that needs to be resolved, be it past life or childhood, all right, then we literally need this experience. We need this kind of partner. So there is a destiny in that. As well, it just typically doesn't lead to a positive outcome unless, and this is really the cool thing, and this is a, a big part of our work here at Transcodes, unless both agree to wanting to change it and, and both agree to wanting to work, you know, in this sort of active self-healing way, you know, right. when they're both willing to face and to deal with this, and then a relationship between two people can entirely shift. Right. And that's usually part of the issue, too, with soulmates, is they think, oh, once we get that one person, mm -hmm. there's no more work needed. And that's actually, honestly, if, if love is the focus, if true love is the focus, that's when the work begins. No, I, I agree. It's where it starts. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is that that's when the, there can be a real beautiful and almost mystical connection without making it special. But, yeah, there are mystical aspects to that as well. Okay, so there's also different um, uh, sort of vibration, vibrational levels of that. So when people have actually done this work and when they have, um, uh, you know, this uh, agreement, then you can see um, other things as well. You can see how they're connected maybe through past lives or um, how they have a task together, you know, that uh, in that relationship, through that um, synergetic effect that both their energies that are somewhat healed, you know, come together and create something that is... Uh, of value for, like, say, the society or for 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 others, you know, that others can learn from. 
So that happens quite frequently when people, um, you know, sort of come together and, and out of the blue, they start like a business together or something that they had never planned before. It's, it's, it's a completely new creation that can come out of a, uh, such a relationship. I mean, it, come, it can come out of karmic relationships as well, but uh, the main characteristic is that it's actually of service to others, that there's a higher vibrational alignment to it. Mr. Jeff Casper, Ms. Yona Brennan, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Great insights. A little more about Jeff and Yona, please go to the website at transcodes.com, and you can hear them weekly on the show that we host together, which is Heart Warriors Radio. You can learn more about that by going to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Mr. Jeff Casper, Ms. Yona Brennan, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And now, part two of The Love Show. So why can't you see you belong with me? Thank you, Taylor Swift. <laughs> that pretty much summarizes the friend zone. So there's a lot of... Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Hey, 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 hey. What are you doing? What are you doing? Taylor already... We already have the song at the beginning of the segment. Get out. You're late, buddy. So what exactly is the friend zone? It is the moment that a woman or man decides that you are their friend and you're no longer a dating option. A terrible place. And that's when they constantly tell you about all the other things that are going on in their life, the romantic things, and you secretly long to be with them. And if you're a good person, if you're compatible, there's no reason why there shouldn't be some kind of romantic connection. I don't understand. People get married all the time and they always say, ah, I married my best friend. Why isn't that best friend you? I don't get it. It gets to a point where I think things become toxic when that friend of yours, after a long period of time, constantly dumps stuff on you. And you could be dumping your stuff upon them either. And maybe they want to hold you at arm's length because they're afraid. They're afraid of what can happen if you develop a romantic relationship and if it doesn't work out. I mean, I think love is a daring act. It is daring to go after and put your heart on the line. And without any, without risk, there's no reward. And if you happen to be in the friend zone, I want to tell you that this is the first time in the history of the Outer Limits Infinite Truth Radio Show that we are doing an interactive segment. So I'd like you to please, if you're in that friend zone, go to the mirror right now, okay? I'll give you a second. Walk to the mirror. Walk to the mirror. There we go, walking to the mirror. Look in that mirror. Please repeat after me. I, say your name. I am not a perpetual emotional tampon. I deserve to be loved, respected, and lusted after like a slice of pizza. I am not a permanent resident of the friend zone. I deserve a fantastic romantic relationship. And I am not going to sit there and be stuck in the friend zone because I'm, if I'm going to be in this friend zone, I'm going to start charging money for it. I'll listen to someone give them two free sessions, let them tell their problems to me, but anything beyond that, I'm going to start charging money for it. You deserve to be out of the friend zone. We're going to teach you how to do it right now. Welcome back to the show is Lori Bizzacco. She's a relationship expert and founder of CupidsPulse.com. Ms. Bizzacco, what is your best advice for breaking out of the friend zone? 
Oh, that's a great question. How to get out of the friend zone. You know, I actually, I think a lot of people uh, wonder this themselves quite often. I think, you know, you have to look at the person that you're friends with and, and, and why all of a sudden you've gone from friends to wanting to be with them. Is it that, you know, you, you're, you're not finding anybody else out there? Is it real love? Is it infatuation? Have you, has it, you know, progressed and turned into something more? I think, you know, the thing is, is that to get out of the friend zone, I, it really takes some communications, uh, you know, communication with that person you're with. Um, you know, we have to figure out first, you know, why you got stuck in the friend zone in the first place. But honestly, the biggest thing is to figure out why and, you know, you want to be with that person and to have some communication with that person to see if they are really somebody that you could take it to the next level with. When you have two people that are attractive people, and they're not clicking romantically. They're just very good friends. Do you think there could be a particular reason why one friend would reject the other friend romantically because they feel that the that their friend is maybe too available or they know that they could get them and that they're kind of holding that person on reserve saying, well, in case I don't – in case nothing else works out, in case nothing else works out, I guess this is my backup. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on that and why people generally uh, don't uh, – who are friends don't uh, click romantically. Well, I mean, it could be that the one person really does truly have a very platonic uh, feelings, platonic feelings for their friends and just doesn't see them on that romantic level. Maybe there's nothing that has been done or progressed that gave them that feeling of, uh, of, of a more intimate relationship. And that is very true. Even when you're best friends, um, oftentimes, unfortunately, I find that it is often men who – start building those feelings, although women will tell me all the time, it's me, I'm the one that's starting to like the guy. But oftentimes, statistically, it is it is the guy who is starting to, you know, feel attraction for the woman. But why would why would someone keep him at arm's length? I mean, it's, it's, it's the things that you, you know, often think about. It could be that they just don't have that romantic feeling. It could be that they don't want to ruin a friendship. It, you know, oftentimes they're afraid to, like, take it to the next level because then what happens with this established friendship that they've built? But if both people really do have feelings for one another and want to explore that, I, I, I think I know, because I've been there, actually, with a very close friend of mine who I did take it to that next level. We dated for about six months. And then I backpedaled, to be honest, because I really appreciated that person more as a friend. And and we're still, you know, friends to this day. Um, so we went back to the friend zone. And, 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 and that's where we are. So, I, you know, oftentimes I think you should explore it, absolutely. And if you really are close friends, you can still bring it back without hurting one another. Miss Lori Bizzacco, relationship expert and founder of Cupid'sPulse.com. I want to thank you so much again for being with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Joining us now is Paula Shaw, author, therapist, certified energy psychology specialist, certified counselor in alcohol and drug abuse, and Reiki master. Does a lot. <laughs> Learn more about it by going to your website at paulashaw.com. Miss Shaw, when somebody yes. is in the friend zone for a prolonged period of time, what happens to their energy after a duration of being stuck in there? And how do they rebuild themselves on an etheric level? Okay. First of all, 
I, I don't want to undersell the friend zone because I think developing a friendship is critical to a good relationship. But if one person really wants to move forward and that's not happening, then I think you have to set for yourself an expiration date. You know, you have to literally say, I will do this until such and such a time. And then at that time, because otherwise, if you don't, leave the relationship. Now, of course, first you want to have a, a honest, clear discussion of what you feel and and see how the other person feels. I mean, I don't recommend you just one day wake up and go, I've been in the friend zone too long. This doesn't look like it's going anywhere. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea either. But I do think at at the point where you start feeling that, because you know, if you don't act on what you're feeling when you're in the friend zone, pretty soon you start getting resentful. You're not as much into the relationship. You're not as good a partner because you're feeling wronged. You know, you're feeling that you're not being honored in the relationship. So when it comes to that place, then step one would be having an honest conversation with your partner. Now, if your partner says, I don't know, I'm just still not sure, I, I, I don't think I can go forward at this time, I don't know what to do, then you have to focus on taking care of yourself because your self-love and your self-esteem can be damaged if you stay in something too long or in something where you know you're not being honored and valued. So at that point, then, I think it's pretty critical to to step out of the relationship and you ask, how do you heal your energy? That's a great question because, as I just mentioned, your energy can be damaged by being in something where you're not being fed. When I say not being fed, I mean, I understand. There's one thing where you want to be there for a friend. You want to be there. For, but, however, if you are person who's always going to be on the outside looking in and you know, right you you know that on a level that you and the individual you're both attractive people and there could be something there but for some reason it's unhappening maybe they're purposely keeping you on edge because they feel that you're better suited to just absorb i guess whatever energy they have i feel like you know not all friendships i mean even though there, it could be some, some sincerity there i think that on a subtle level there could be um you know, a, a negative imbalance there, whether it's subconsciously where sure. people purposely hold them, though. But I want to know if a person is constantly absorbing the um, that energy from another individual, where they're constantly absorbing their pain, their suffering, their problems, what does mm. that do to you? What Does that prevent you from having uh, other happiness in your life? Do you naturally pick up on so much energy? I mean, what is the fine line between being a good friend, listening to somebody's issues, and then taking on way too much that it prevents you from attaining your true happiness. Yeah. Well, you make a really good point, Ryan, because, first of all, anybody that comes within 10 feet of your energy field is impacting your energy field. And if you're in a situation like you're describing where you're constantly absorbing somebody else's negative output – that can most definitely impact you. It can make you feel depressed. It can make you feel tired. I think what a lot of people experience first is feeling tired, just fatigued, because 
it's draining your energy. It's taking you to a lower vibratory level where you know how it is when you're having a wonderful time or you're with people who are fun or funny or uplifting. You just almost feel like you can breathe better, like you just have more energy, you know, like you're becoming electric yourself. So, yeah, you got to you gotta put limits on how much negative energy you allow into your life. Now, first of all, I think one of the most important things to do is protect yourself every day, you know, by putting white light around yourself. I meditate every morning, and I start by putting light around myself. And, that, and you know, my, in my work, I'm dealing with a, a lot of people's pain and negative energy. But I find it actually feeds me and makes me feel more positive, but that's because I'm not absorbing it. And so then I can come from a clearer place to help them with solutions. But if you're absorbing it, if you're starting to notice your energy is diminishing, you are feeling more irritated and tired, then you're in a toxic relationship and you need to either get out of it or really limit the amount of time you're in it. And before you go see that person, be sure you put a lot of protective white light around you and just come from that place that, you know, I'm here to listen, but I reflect any negative energy that's coming my way. You know, I'm here to support and to comfort, but not to absorb. Because, you know, our intention tells the energy what to do. So I set an intention before everything I do that's important, before I do my radio show, before I see a client. You know, I I set an intention as to how I want that to happen for me. So to our listeners, I say, use that. I set the intention that even though my friend is hurting or even though my friend is in a negative place, I will not absorb that energy. That can go a long way in protecting you because you've intended it. You've put your will out there and made it clear energetically what you will have and what you won't. Ms. Paula Shaw, author, therapist, certified energy psychology specialist. I have to tell you, I love the titles that you have. And also, Ricky Master. Learn more about Ms. Paula Shaw by going to her website at paulashaw.com. Also, Go to OuterLimitsRadio.com, and you can see our full hour-long interview with Ms. Paula Shaw. Ms. Shaw, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Ryan. It's always a pleasure spending time with you. You take care. And now, part three of The Love Show. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Okay, everyone, this is part three. How to get rid of a toxic person in your life. This actually happens to be an area where I am well-versed. I would consider myself an expert because I have dated all forms of crazy. I dated one girl. She had, I think she was schizophrenic because she had 18 different personalities. And all 18 of them hated my guts. So I know what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody who's very toxic that just infringes upon you. And I'll tell you, it's the worst thing in the world. that like this cloud hanging over you, energy vampire sucking the life out of you. Matter of fact, I think if you're in a toxic relationship, it is a prolonged psychic attack. And if you're in a toxic relationship right now, don't worry. Don't be upset. Don't be ashamed. This is the rescue operation. We're going to get you on the chopper. Get to the chopper. We're going to rescue you, help you get out of this because you deserve to have peace in your life. And I'll tell you what, the second you walk away and kick that toxic person to the curb, 
Oh, life can be so beautiful. You got to think about it like the ending of Jaws. You know, you'll take these walks and you'll realize how amazing nature is. You'll see people smiling again. You'll reconnect with people you haven't talked to in a while. Food will taste better. Life will get better. And yes, it can be a little hard, but man, once you have that opportunity to reclaim your life, it can be one of the best things in the world for you. And also, when you have that toxic person out of your life, you can focus your attention on finding the person that you're meant to be with, that real soulmate. So let's do it, you and me, together. We're working on this thing together. We're pulling you out of that toxic relationship. We're going to put you back on the path to finding your soulmate. Let's begin. Joining us now is Dr. Margalis Fielstead. She is a licensed marriage family therapist. She is also author of an incredible book. When I say incredible, it's got 327 five-star customer reviews. And the book is called Stop Caretaking for the Borderline or Narcissist, How to End the Drama and Get On with Your Life. Wow, what an amazing book title. Do you more about her? By going to her website at Margalis Therapy, and that's M-A-R-G-A-L-I-S therapy.com. Sorry, Dr. Paul. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Okay, topic of discussion is how do we get rid of somebody who is a dead weight in our life, a person who we're, I don't know, involved in a romantic relationship with, but they are sucking the life out of us. So how do we uh, make that happen and uh, you know, initiate uh, the path to freedom? <laughs> well, uh, for one thing, you have to be fairly determined, and that can be hard. Uh, because a lot of times people who get into relationships with a toxic person uh, are really nice people. Uh, they give the other person the benefit of the doubt and they uh, want to be fair and they want to be kind. They want, when they break up, they typically want to remain friends or at least do it amicably. And a person who's a real dead weight, who's really toxic, uh, wants to stay in the relationship with uh, such a nice person because they're getting a lot out of it. The nice person isn't getting that much out of it. Uh, but it's hard to let go when you're so nice. <laughs> so that's the beginning. You have to toughen up a little bit. You have to realize that it's going to be a conflict, that it's perhaps going to be even ugly. And, and be really prepared to go forward and to know that you really want to do this. So when you're ambivalent, um, you're, you're really not ready. Now, what are some of the tactics that a person will use to manipulate another into staying with them? What are some of the common telltale signs of manipulation? What can we do? How do we look out for them? Well, um, but they typically alternate between uh, telling you you're the most wonderful, fabulous person in the world to switching and instantly telling you what a horrible, mean, uncaring, thoughtless person you are. So you feel good when they're saying the nice things. And then when they say bad things to you and you're that nice person, you go, oh, my goodness, I better be nicer I better give in to them so that they don't see me in this terrible way. 
So it's a complete manipulation to get you to stay uh, and it's not fun. Right. Would you describe this type of person as a parasite that will eventually prey upon its host until the host finally just gets out and they'll move on to someone else and suck the life and energy out of someone else? That's pretty typical, yes. Um, People who are toxic typically aren't in relationships more than about two months at a time. But when they find somebody who will stay with them and put up with their behavior, always probably the the partner hoping that the person will get better if they're just being nice, um, then they want to stick with that person. And they will hang on and do everything they can to either uh, lure you back in or intimidate you about leaving. So you have to be pretty strong to uh, initiate leaving because it may not be very easy. Well, when you have decided, you said, look, I am done. Time to hit the road, Jack or Jill. Correct. What what are some of the steps that you do? Do you do you decide? Okay, well, this is what I'm starting. You start putting their clothes in a pile. Do you start <laughs> putting their stuff in boxes? Do you start putting their email in the spam folder? What are some of the things that you can begin to do to start building the momentum so you know, you get them out of your life? Well, you start doing that, and you're going to trigger a lot of fights with these folks. So. Uh, what you really need to do is figure out how you're going to exit because it's unlikely they'll voluntarily exit. Um, so you you put your own clothes in storage and uh, you get out. Sometimes people feel like they need to leave in the dead of night or when their partner is uh, on vacation somewhere else or on a business trip and they leave that way. Uh, more often, you need to get uh, a friend or uh, a couple of friends to help you move out so that you have witnesses there. Um, but the big thing to, to start the momentum is simply to say, I'm done, I'm moving out, or I want you to move out. You can start with, I want you to move out, but it's more likely you may have to move out because they may not be willing to. Well, how do you initiate this if you yourself have self-esteem issues and you yourself maybe are a more depressed person that you go, okay, well, you know, I know this person is bad for me. I know I want them out of my life. However, I feel I don't want to be alone and I don't want to um, deal with any more pain that I already have. How does a person in that position take the initiative to move forward with this, knowing that they have something going against them that maybe other people don't have? Well, I think people who have been in these kinds of relationships for very long will have lower self-esteem, and they're more likely to be depressed. You're quite right. Uh, I think it helps to uh, spend some time in therapy, building up your self-esteem, having a good friend also that you can talk to, You may even want to consult uh, a lawyer or someone that you feel is, um, you know, there on your side to help you in that process. You may even want to have a witness there when you tell that person, I'm done. Uh, I think one of the hardest things is that fear of being alone. Um, And 
a person who though wants to really wants to leave has at that point assessed that being alone is better than putting up with the toxic interactions that they're having all right so we have right now we've covered how to leave what you should do to leave we haven't really gone into some of the signs and indication that you should leave and i'm going to give full disclosure that you know, I've had my fair share of relationships that I wouldn't necessarily say were, uh, you know, perfect. And I knew that there was one sign to leave a relationship when my uh, girlfriend at the time tried to pick up a couch and throw it at me. I mean, she, she, she was barely picking it off the ground. I'm like, wow, she's trying to throw a couch at me. And that was like, all right, now it's time to go. That, that was the aha moment. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that, that, people have to wait until there's oh, yeah. a big thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, that was, that was the neon sign moment. So, what are some of these signs that you should wake up to right away and say, okay, chances are this is probably not going to work out? Well, one of them that I hear a lot is uh, I don't like going home. I don't like uh, being around this person. Uh, I don't feel safe at home, I don't feel comfortable. Uh, I spend a lot of time at work or with friends just to be away. Um, so that's uh, also a sign. Uh, if, it, if you have constant um, disagreements and, and battles in which you feel disrespected, insulted, uh, there's name-calling and belittling and attacking, and, and it hurts your feelings deeply, uh, that's a sign that this isn't a loving relationship, uh, and you really need to be assessing why you're staying. Uh, well, when your partner is really, it seems like it always has to be their way. They want to have complete control over what's happening. That's also a sign that this isn't going to be an equal sharing relationship. What if you have had a long relationship with a person, and let's say, for example, the first couple of years were really wonderful. You guys were madly in love, and it was just wonderful, peaceful. Then the next couple of years, it becomes super toxic, and you just have that you know, hook for nostalgia, knowing that, okay, you know, at some point in time, I met this person. It was wonderful. It could have been one of the greatest things you experienced. How do you break away from that? How do you know? How do you accept the fact or know that the good old days are not coming back and when it's time to, you know, to, to move on? Well, I think you have to um, kind of assess how much hope are you having, how realistic is your hope that it will go back. Are you seeing signs that the person uh, is making positive headway? Perhaps, you know, something's happened in their life and they've become angry or depressed. Um, are they doing anything about it? Are they going to therapy? Or are they changing their behaviors? Are they uh, apologizing when uh, they're in a bad mood? Are they taking responsibility? Uh, those are things that you would look for to keep hoping. But if you're not seeing that, if the person continually blames everyone else for what's happening or how they feel, you Things like you're making me feel angry or you're making me disgusted. Uh, those are signs that they're not being responsible and they're, you know, you might want to give yourself a timeline, 30 days or a couple of months, maybe even six months if you uh, feel like you want to do that. Uh, and then if it hasn't changed, you need to really decide, okay, uh, this isn't, this isn't going anywhere. So it's up to me to decide what I'm going to do with my life.
I think too often in relationships, uh, people tend to keep giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, keep explaining away that behavior. And if they were doing the same behavior to their partner, they'd be horrified in themselves. So is this person acting in a way you would act? And if not, you're probably not with the right person. As far as the types of individuals that are more likely to get entrenched in a toxic relationship, if you were to put aside self-esteem aside, what types of individuals, personalities, are more inclined to, to, to get involved and get trapped in a, a toxic relationship? Well, uh, you mentioned the one, of course, lower self-esteem, although a lot of people really feel like, and they do have positive self-esteem out in the world, but they've learned in relationships to always put themselves down or be second best and uh, perfectionistic, uh, and they think they have to work hard uh, to deserve to be in a relationship. So they are going to have, they're more likely to get in these relationships. Also, people who have been raised by parents who treated them in the way their partner is now treating them. Uh, we automatically kind of fall into the patterns that we've been part of growing up and that we've seen over and over. Um, so we can fall into those patterns and not even know it until we're right in the middle of it. Okay. I'll talk to you about recovery. So you've, made the, you've taken the initiative. You've kicked that person out of your life. How do you recover from the emotional duress and trauma from that relationship and what are some of the steps that you should start doing to rebuild your life going forward? Well, probably the very first thing is stop interacting with that person. If they were toxic uh, and you really needed to end the relationship, then you need it ended. You don't want to be continue to be friends with that person because if you stay uh, in, in too much contact with them, um, number one, they'll try and lure you back into the relationship, uh, and you're going to get back into the same old patterns. So if they have been especially toxic, you may need to cut them off entirely. And that is don't answer their phone calls, don't answer emails, don't text, uh, block them on social media. Um, in essence, cut them entirely out of your life. Uh, that's when you finally end up feeling a sense of relief and you can start to reassess who you are. Um, you mentioned my first book, Stop Caretaking, but my second book is Healing from a Narcissistic Relationship. And, uh, and there I talk about uh, you have to believe that the relationship is really over and you're not going back so that you start um, grieving. You know, it's perfectly okay. Grieve the, the pain and you grieve what you had hoped was, was going to be. Uh, and then start building your self-confidence and really building your support system, being with friends, doing activities that you like to do. Even if you're feeling kind of depressed and down and, and not very much energy, going out and doing something anyway. Um, exercise is really good. Uh, you might want to even get into a support group to, um, you know, build your self-esteem and get to know yourself again. Um, and I think 
learning the reasons that you stayed in this relationship so long can help you then avoid doing that again. Dr. Bergalas, feels that one. Thank you so much for being with us today. I felt your insight was incredible. All right, again, let's talk about the books. The books are Healing from a Narcissistic, Narcissistic Relationship, and the book is Stop Caretaking the Borderline or Narcissistic, How to End the Drama and Get On with Your Life. I feel said it's been helping millions of people liberate themselves from their ex-significant other. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Joining us now is internationally respected psychic medium and owner of the Vision Crystal Metaphysical Store, Ms. Lisa McGarity. You can learn more about Ms. Lisa McGarity. You can get a reading with Ms. Lisa McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com. You can also check out her store, Envision Crystal, at envisioncrystal.com. Ms. McGarity, welcome to the program. So nice to be with you, Ryan. Thanks for contacting me today. Thank you. Well, I want to say from first-hand experience, you've helped extract a negative entity from my life. You've been very helpful with that. So how, if somebody is dating someone, they're engaged with someone that is a burden, that they can't get out of the relationship, what are some of the energetic ways that they can liberate themselves from a person who is uh, overly uh, codependent upon them? I do remember the days when you had some um, interesting girlfriends in the past, right? (laughs) (laughs) But luckily, you're happily married now, which is fantastic and a big success. Well, happy on my Uh, end. I don't know what my wife is thinking. She's probably contacting you saying, how do I get rid of this goof? Oh, come on now. Sometimes folks get addicted almost. It can be almost like a chemical addiction. Um, You know, brain chemistry studies do tell us it is addictive, the process of being connected to someone or being in love with someone even when the relationship isn't going very well. So it can be kind of a challenge. You have to really talk tough with yourself and let yourself know, hey, this might not be the right person for me. And when that's the case, we have to assert those boundaries and disconnect spiritually as well as practically and kind of unplug from that other person. Right. So with your ability of perceiving energy, perceiving things that most people can't, what is happening to a person when they are trapped in a relationship where they're being completely infringed upon or they're in a very sad relationship. Is it, are they, is it happening because they don't have enough energy to kind of break away from that person? Or could it be happening because the individual they are with has a dominating negative energy that overcomes whatever positive energy the person in question could have? Well, it's true that there are people in the world who are dominating, they're selfish, and they use personal relationships, even friendships or business relationships or love relationships, as a way of grabbing other people's power. So you'll know you're with somebody like that if after you leave them you're exhausted or you start to feel bad about yourself or you find your self-esteem is sinking, you're not as confident as you used to be. Um, and this can be particularly damaging when it's a sex relationship. If it's somebody you're having sex with or you're romantic with, then the bonds are even stronger. So it's super important to be aware that if you're with somebody, and sometimes it could be somebody who's so enchanting and they seem kind and they seem perfect, but on the energy plane, they're actually robbing you. So it's important to sort of notice how you feel when you part. Are you just missing the other person or are you actually physically depleted, spiritually depleted? That's a big red flag. And that that doesn't mean automatically you should end the relationship, but you should definitely take a harder look. 
Yeah. And one of the things I love about your store is you have a variety of oils, scents that people can utilize to attain a goal or attain something they want in their life. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like oils like dragon's blood, lavender oil have energetic properties onto themselves. If a person wants to accelerate their departure from a relationship and to diminish a person's, let's say, psychic energy being imprinted upon them, what are some stones, elements, oils that a person should be uh, using to you know, strengthen their own energy and diminish the capability of a person to infringe upon them? Well, you've just mentioned dragon's blood oil, which it sounds scary. It sounds spooky, but dragon's <laughs> blood is actually, yeah, it's a resin from a tree, and it's very aromatic. It smells fantastic, but it can be used for boosting personal power. So that can be a really good choice, and I sell quite a bit of it. It's a favorite here in our town, dragon's blood oil. In terms of crystals and stones, I love a regular, straightforward, clear quartz crystal for improving our boundaries. When you're a person who needs to have a little bit more protection around you, that can be a super good choice. Also, black obsidian or black tourmaline are two popular stones for protection. So those can be fantastic choices, too. And we do have all these items at stock at the store. All right, so when you have these on you, does it kind of – change your vibration does it does your vibration kind of go towards them or is it how does that necessarily work that's that's exactly right you said it right i think the first time it changes your vibration so your vibration becomes empowered and that will change your relationship with the other person and remember we're not just talking about love relationships this could be family relationships or friendships too and you need to make sure that your boundaries are nice and healthy so that you're not being misled or taken advantage of in any of these interactions and over the years, you've taught me two really awesome things that have helped me to sever relationships with people who I don't want to have anything to do with. And one of them I love is the freezing a person out. Can you please explain how to freeze someone out of your life? What oh, you gosh, actually do? you know, it's, it sounds simple. And you, you'll think to yourself, well, this isn't going to work. This won't do anything. And then I think it sounds like, Ryan, you, you know for a chance. It can actually work. It works. From if my first experience, it does work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, so the, the simple thing to do is to take the person's photograph. And we're not wishing them any harm. We're not freezing them to hurt them or harm them or anything of that sort. But you just want to wet that photograph, get it wet. I like to slide it right inside a little Ziploc bag and um, stick it way, way back in the freezer and just slam that freezer door shut. And what you're doing is you're making a statement to the universe, this is not someone I want to be in contact with. This is someone I want on the outside, cold, on the outside of my situation and not close to me. And it definitely works. I, I give that idea out to so many people. It's a good first step if you're having a problem. And I'll say for a second, I've had people in my freezer for at least three years. I moved, I put them in a cooler, and I moved them back <laughs> to my other fridge. And I swear my Okay, work. but something to be aware of. If you have too many people in the freezer, it might not be them. It might be you. If you have me, a special extra freezer, <laughs> that's another sign. It was a visualization, and this really worked too. It was the, the cutting of the cord, silver cord with a ribbon. Can you please explain how you used Right. So this is a great thing that you can do without any tools or props, and it's really, again, it's not about hurting the other person. It's really just about being in charge of your own energy. So you can imagine the person who's troubling you or the person you need to, to get away from or disconnect from, 
being connected to you from a silver cord. And, you, you know, you may notice that this cord is maybe in your solar plexus or maybe in your heart. It could be really located almost any place. Visualize that in your imagination. And then for some folks, they like to uh, envision Archangel Michael if they have, you know, a connection with the archangel coming with his fiery sword and just cutting the cord away. And you can picture the cord dissolving. If you don't feel close to Archangel Michael or you don't have that kind of relationship, even just your own visualized imaginary sword that comes and cuts the cord and lets that person go on their own path and leaves you whole and feeling fine. And when you see that person going away, you can bless them. You can wish good things for them. You don't have to do this in a way that's hurtful or harmful. Got it. And is there, are there any other beings besides St. Michael that a person can develop a relationship with that will protect them from negative romantic connections? Well, you know, every tradition, every spiritual tradition has protective beings. Some people turn to St. Peter. Some people like to use the goddess Hecate. Some people, you know, may use helping spirits like animal spirits who are guardians and guides. And even your own higher self can help you with this. So if you develop a relationship with your higher self, that is a stronger version of you, a more spiritually energized, empowered version of you that can help you to cut these cords. And lastly, when a person is in trouble with the law, like I have been before. Once or twice. Not times, but yeah, with the intention of it wasn't exactly exactly. acting smart. You hire a lawyer because they know the legal system. When it comes to energy, I highly recommend that you contact Lisa because I think Lisa's got you have an amazing grasp on how energies work and you know, connecting and dealing with things. And one of the things you have at your store is that you create spells and before everyone goes, Oh, what's a spell? It's an energetic, you know, pushing something out in the universe that can accelerate uh, you getting a great response. And I work with this. I like to say that a spell is like a prayer with with props, with extra, you know, extra things that help the universe know exactly what your intention is. Right. And I just want to let everyone know that I worked with Lisa and I've done uh, the, called the enhanced prayer that's helped and done a lot of things. What kind of enhanced prayers would you recommend to people that want to pull into their experience a romantic connection and also want to sever a connection with someone they are currently with? Well, two things that I have done for a lot of my clients. Uh, The first situation, if you really want to meet someone new, is a simple attractive soulmate spell. And the truth is you do kind of need to be ready, right? You need to be in a situation where you're ready and open to dating. But if you're there and you want to contact me, I'd be more than happy to set a candle for you and help you create a little working around attracting somebody new and someone appropriate into your life. And then if you really are with someone and it's not working out and it's a little bit more like the situation that you and I just described, then we do a type of work called cut and clear. And cut and clear just cuts those cords between you and the other person, harm to none, but everybody goes their own path. And that's really the best way to, uh, you know, work spiritually around a breakup or around a relationship that's ending. Miss Lisa McGarity, internationally respected psychic medium, and also owner of the Vision Crystal Metaphysical Store. You learn more about Ms. Lisa McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com and go to Vision Crystal at envisioncrystal.com. You can go there, get a lot of great candles, spells, a lot of great uh, items at your store. Lisa, I want to thank you for your great insight. It's always a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you for talking to me, Ryan. It was great. 
Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our amazing guests. And I sincerely hope you find some love and peace, break out of that friend zone, and get rid of that toxic person. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.